All right. Good morning, everybody. And God said, let there be light. There it is. Hey, we are so glad that you are here today. Again, if you are new, if you're uh, visiting with us, we want to say a special welcome to you. We love new people at Hope. Has anybody ever had that feeling like you're walking into a movie about 40 minutes late? You ever had that feeling? Uh, Sometimes when we hear stories, we need some context. We need to know uh, what is going on uh, in that sense. And if you are new with us this morning, if you're just getting caught up, if you've been away a few weeks, we are in a sermon series called The Summer of Acts. Everybody say Acts. The book of Acts. And so we're walking through that whole book uh, this summer and uh, walking through. We just started uh, about three weeks ago, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. And if you need some context to get up to speed with what you heard in the scripture reading uh, this morning, last week, you know that Pastor Mike talked to us about Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost and the day that the Holy Spirit came and was given and was poured into our Hearts, which means that the early church started, the very first church, it was our birthday uh, last week, and so we're one week old as a church as we celebrated Pentecost with churches around the world and millions and millions of Christians. And so you are a part of that movement. That's what that opening video is saying. Join the movement. You're a part of this. Every week we say this from the front and we say, welcome to Hope. We believe it's no accident that you're here. And why do we say that? Because it's true. Because you did not haphazardly or randomly show up here on a Sunday morning. You are a part of a movement. You are a part of something called the church that has been going on for over 2,000 years. And you are caught up in something bigger than yourself. And I hope that you feel that this morning. You're a part of a bigger story. And so as the Holy Spirit was given to God's people last week, now this is really the first time that the church goes on mission and hits the streets. The greatest gift that we could ever receive was given, the Holy Spirit, God's presence. As Jesus ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit descended as the Holy, God's present presence into our hearts and into our lives like tongues of fire. If you think about that, that is probably the greatest gift that we've ever been given. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, God is always with you. Do you know that? He, he's never left. He's always right there beside you. He's living inside of you, possibly the greatest gift that you could ever give. And so I want to ask you a question as to get your your wheels spinning a little bit this morning. What is the greatest gift that you have ever given somebody? What is the greatest gift that you have ever given someone else? So maybe think about a great birthday gift that you came up with or a Christmas gift or uh, maybe something homemade that you put a lot of of love and care into. That's a picture of me and my mom from a few years ago um, at Christmas. The, The greatest gift that you've ever given. Think about that. Maybe it was in your childhood or maybe something you've given to your kids, your grandkids. What's the greatest gift you've ever given? So just think about that to yourself in your head. Uh, what comes, automatically comes to my mind is when I was little, obviously I didn't have a job, so I didn't have any money. When you're seven or eight, you just kind of come up with things. And so what I would do is I would go into the basement and my dad had a pile of like scrap wood down there. Maybe some of you have this in your uh, workroom or something. And I grabbed a piece of wood and so I... Pounded, I noticed that my mom would always just lay her necklaces on top of her chest of drawers. And so I'm like, oh, I got an idea. This is going to be the best gift ever. And so I pounded a bunch of nails into a scrap piece of wood in the shape of a heart. All right. Wrapped it up and gave it to her. And she goes, oh, 
what is it? I said, it's a necklace hanger. Oh, okay, great. You know, I'm like, wow, thinking as a parent now, like, what is going through her mind? And she's getting a piece of scrap wood for Christmas from the basement, right? Well, give it a few years. Give it six or seven years. I'm kind of junior high, early high school age, and I'm upping the ante on the gift. So I'm thinking, now I've been mowing lawns. Now I have a real job, right? And so I got some money, and so I'm going to go out, and I'm going to get my parents an adult gift. And I am so excited. I go out and buy them a toaster. Oh, yeah, a toaster. I wrap it up, and I remember my parents opening that, and they're going, whoa, we didn't expect that at all. And I go, I know. Isn't it amazing, right? And that, that Christmas went down in epic Annenson family history as the toaster Christmas, the day that John grew up and gave a toaster for Christmas, right? Now, you may not think that's big, but what is the greatest gift that you have ever given somebody? Maybe a, a trip or tickets to the big game or, or a concert or something like that, or maybe something that you made homemade. What is the greatest gift you've ever given? Well, what I want to talk about today is what I believe Scripture says is the greatest gift that any of us has ever been given, and conversely, the greatest gift that you could ever give somebody. And to find out what it is, let's turn to Acts chapter 3. If you don't have your Bibles open already, I encourage you to follow along with me or on your Bible app, on your phone. We're just going to walk through the story together because it's too good to skip over. So Acts chapter 3. We're just going to pick it up right away in verse 1. It says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was being put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. So let's pause there for a second. Do we all know Peter and John? Peter and John were Jesus' disciples, right? And now in Acts, they're sent out, and so they kind of get a new title. They're called apostles, which means sent ones. So they are living on mission. They've been filled up by the Holy Spirit in the last chapter, and this is the first glimpse we have of them on mission. So what are Peter and John doing? They're going to the temple to do what? To pray, right? As good, God-fearing Jews do, this was the tradition that you would go, uh, not just at 3 in the afternoon, but at 9 a.m., at noon, and at 3 in the afternoon. Imagine that if you went to your boss tomorrow and said, I'm going to need to leave a couple times because i got to run over to church to pray, and then I'll be back, right? This is what they did. It might not be a bad idea. So they would go three times a day. And what do they discover? Verse 2, a man who was lame from birth. You have your Bibles underlined from birth. Or highlight that. That is a big part of the story. In other words, this man had never walked a day in his life. It's not some, something that happened to him or he got in an accident. He's never known what it's like to use his legs until today. So here he is every day at the temple gate called Beautiful. Everybody say Beautiful. And yes, it was called Beautiful because it was beautiful. There was 10 gates to the temple in Jesus' day uh, there in Jerusalem, and nine of the ten gates were made of gold. And you might think, wow, that's pretty ornate. Well, one, this gate called beautiful, was actually made of bronze, and as bronze ages, it gets more beautiful and it gets more colorful, and so this was like the most ornate, the fanciest one, and so this is where a lot of the richer or more uh, well-to-do Jews would go in and enter for their time to pray. So this lame man that's a beggar is not dumb. (laughs) He knows this is where I'm probably going to get the most money, and this is where he has people put him every single day. But you got to be thinking, if you're this lame man, this is pretty much my life now, (laughs) is the definition of hopelessness. You are sitting in the same spot every day and begging, and you got to be thinking, 
it's just gonna be another ordinary day. The best I can hope for today is a little bit more money than the day before. My life is going nowhere. This is what I've been doing my entire life. But at the same time, the Luke, the writer of Acts here, is paralleling this story. He's, the lame man is literally stuck <laughs> in routine. But so are Peter and John. They are going to the temple to pray, and I would imagine just like they did before they met Jesus and after they met Jesus, they're good Jews, they're going to the temple to pray. It's very easy to slip into routine, isn't it? We all have them, right? The problem is when we let our routines and our traditions become the idol, this is something I do, and we don't leave any room for the Holy Spirit to say, what if God wanted to do something new today? That becomes the danger. And so he's stuck in routine, the beggar, and Peter and John are stuck in routine thinking it's just going to be another ordinary day. So Peter and John's expectations, way low. The lame man's expectations, way low as well. Skip ahead to verse 6. So the lame man asks them for money as Peter and John are walking by. And then watch this. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I give you. And he reaches down, it says, with his right hand, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, into church, into the worship center, walking and jumping and praising God. Further evidence that it is biblical to jump and dance in the aisles at church. So just if you feel that spirit moving on a Sunday morning sometime, I know you're Lutheran, right? We talked about this. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is Lutheran, right? We learned that last week, right? Dancing and jumping in the aisles at church is biblical. You read it right there in Acts chapter 3, okay? Furthermore, can you imagine having use of your legs for the first time? I'd be jumping up and down too, right? I'd be going crazy. I've never experienced this before. So you read that story and you go, what just happened there? What is Peter doing? Like, who has the confidence to do something like that? He just out of nowhere decides, you know what? I'm just going to reach down my hand and claim this in the name of Jesus. And this guy that's been lame his whole life just stands up and walks. Who has that kind of confidence. You'll notice Peter is not some televangelist healer on TV or something. Peter is not a professional. He's not a pastor. He's just Peter. Remember, this is like ordinary stinky fisherman Peter, right? So what happened? Well, number one, don't forget, he'd probably seen Jesus do this dozens of times. He'd been with Jesus. As an aside, ever around some people that you can just tell they've been with Jesus? Don't you want to be one of those kind of people? There's just something about them that attracts you to them. That just, they, 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 they give life. He probably seen Jesus do this dozens of times. Secondly, don't forget just a chapter ago, he just been filled up by the Holy Spirit. And that changes everything. So he's a different person. Something called the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like something inside Peter that day allowed him to see this man, not with his own eyes of tradition and ritual, but allowed him to see him through the eyes of Jesus. That when Jesus showed up on the scene, he quotes Isaiah 61, and Jesus speaks, my mission is for the blind to see and the lame to walk, and the prisoners to be set free, and those that are in darkness to come to the light. Jesus came for people like this. Something in Peter almost snapped 
in a good way. And Peter said, no, this is not going to be one more ordinary day. I'm not going to keep going through tradition. Remember, that's one of our values as a church, right? We worship God, not tradition. There's nothing wrong with tradition unless it gets in the way of you worshiping God authentically. And so Peter's saying, I, go, I walk by here every day, and I look at these people. Not today. The Holy Spirit changes us. It does something to us, and we can't keep on going living the way that we were. So something sets this righteous, holy angst inside Peter where he says, no. And he looks this guy right in the eyes, no more going through the motions, no more settling for the status quo. We're going to do something about that. And I want to ask you this morning, have you gotten to that place? If you're not there already, I pray that you do. I, I prayed last night. It just popped into my head. I pray that God inconveniences you this week. And me as well. I pray that God puts somebody in your path that just puts a whole jolt in your routine. I pray that God makes us a little bit uncomfortable as his followers. Following Jesus does not make necessarily make life easier. It makes life worth living. Sometimes it's a little bit more messy. Sometimes it's a little bit more difficult. But I pray that God does that as well. We can sing and pray and go to Bible studies and small groups and go through the motions. But I want to ask you this morning, when is the last time you took a holy risk for the kingdom? When is the last time you did something crazy for Jesus? And by a, a risk, I don't mean like running out in the middle of the interstate saying, well, I hope I don't get hit, you know. I'm talking about a holy risk. When's the last time that you did something for the sake of the kingdom that unless Jesus showed up, it's not going to happen? When's the last time you did something where you are desperate for Jesus to show up? That's what Peter's doing here. This has nothing to do with Peter and John. They're just a couple of schmucks. They're just fishermen. The Holy Spirit takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things. After all, Peter and John had watched for three years up close as Jesus comforts the afflicted and how he afflicts the comfortable. And maybe that's what Jesus wants to do in your life this morning. No more churchianity. No more going through the motions. No more ordinary routine. What if God is calling you to take a holy risk? Look back at verse 6. It says, Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, what I do have, I give you. What do you have? As a follower of Jesus, what do you believe is the greatest gift that you could give somebody? What do, you act, what do we have to offer people that's different from anybody else in the world? You ever hear this phrase like on Facebook or somebody posts a prayer request or you hear people talking? Sometimes I hear people say, I'll be praying for you. I'll be sending good thoughts and positive thoughts your way. You ever heard anybody say that? I'm, I'm, I'll send some good vibes your way. I just, what is that? <laughs> what does that even mean, right? You're telling me that Jesus lived and died and rose again and literally went to hell and back, defeating the power of sin, death, and hell so that we could send positive vibes people's way, right? We have something way more to offer people than that. You have the same power, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead living inside of you, and I want to send positive thoughts your way? You have Jesus to offer people. That's all that prayer is. You're just a conduit. It's not about you. It's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you. God wants to use you as an instrument of his love. We have so much more to give. Maybe some of you have found yourself maybe in a situation where somebody's hurting 
or you're in the hospital, or a loved one is sick, or they're struggling, or something going through a really difficult time, and you have no idea what to say. Or maybe you just don't feel like you know enough, or that you're not equipped enough. You're saying, I read stories like that, and that's great. That's a Bible story, John, but I could never do anything like that, let alone pray for somebody out loud. Some of you would rather go to the dentist than pray out loud, right? Let's just admit it, right? Back to the story. If you'll notice, Peter doesn't claim to have all the answers. Something has shifted in Peter where he's gotten over himself a little bit, which I believe is an essential part of letting God and the Holy Spirit use you, is that often what we do sometimes as Midwesterners, especially those of us that are Scandinavian, we have a little bit of this you know, Midwestern bashfulness, aw shucks mentality going on. Oh, I could never do anything significant for God. I, 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 I don't know if I could pray. Somebody else, should. pastor can do that. I, I just wouldn't know what to say, right? Aw shucks, right, is what we say, right? We kind of get that feeling going on, and we pass it off as humility. Folks, it's not humility. It's limiting God. And so Peter has reached this point where he's like, if I'm going to be used by the Holy Spirit, i got to get over myself. Because <laughs> it's not really about me, it's about Jesus working through me. A good lesson for all of us, at some point we got to get over ourselves, right? Turn to your neighbor right now, just give him a big old smile and say, neighbor, get over yourself. Just tell him that right now. Just tell him, get over yourself. Some of you are like, ah, that's what I came to church to hear this morning, right? Sometimes we got to get over ourselves, right? Here's the thing, hear me say this. Peter knows that he doesn't have it all together, but he has Jesus. Let me say that again. Peter knows he doesn't have it all together, but he has Jesus. Don't forget, these are ordinary fishermen. This is the same Peter that sticks his foot in his mouth a lot because he's a chatterbox, right? He's an ordinary fisherman. He's an ordinary person just like you and I. The greatest gift that we could ever give is the presence of Jesus, his life flowing through us into another person. Why would you not offer people on a regular basis the greatest gift that you have to give? And one of the ways that we do that most effectively as followers of Jesus is prayer and offering healing for each other or praise or whatever it is that God's called us to pray about. One of the best ways we can do that is prayer. And I'm guessing some of you are looking at that story today going, I could never pray for healing for somebody. Like, I don't even know if God heals anymore, let alone I don't even know if I want to pray out loud. I can't remember the last time that I was talking with somebody in the church and I heard somebody say, I am, I am so completely, I feel equipped and confident to pray for somebody out loud, all right? I'm not going to do it, but if we had a show of hands this morning, how many, how many of you would just jump up and volunteer to pray out loud in front of the whole church, right? Maybe some, uh, yeah, you don't have to, that's fine, that's great. Uh, praying for somebody, all these assumptions and myths about prayer come boiling up. We have no problem showing up at worship every week. But something as essential and crucial like prayer, we kind of shy away from. There's all sorts of myths and assumptions and, and judgments that we make. Oh, I could never do that. And yet, we all know what assuming does, right? There, there was a series of commercials from a, a company called AmeriQuest that has come out over this past year, and this one was too good not to share. It's really short, so pay attention uh, to it, but their line at the end of all these series of commercials is, don't judge too quickly, okay? That's God's heart for you in prayer as well, so pay attention and think about that as you watch this quick clip. Don't judge too quickly, right? I want you to get that in your mind. And every time you think about prayer, think about a knife and a cat. No, don't do that, right? 
when you think about prayer, okay, that is God's heart for you this morning, right? What is the next line that that guy is probably going to say to his wife or his girlfriend, whoever that is, right? It's not what you think, right? It's not what you think. Don't judge too quickly. That's God's heart for you this morning when it comes to prayer, okay? Don't put the walls up and say, that's not my thing, okay? A follower of Jesus saying that prayer is not their thing is like a human being saying breathing's not really my thing, okay? It's that essential, so we can do this, but there's some hurdles we need to get over, and there's some myths that I have written down here this morning that I want to walk through really quickly to say, okay, is that true when held up to God's word? Is that just some, I'm basing my faith on an assumption or something that I grew up, or when I grew up in the church, only the pastor prayed? What are the myths and assumptions that you've held up, and if we hold them up to God's word, what wins out? What wins out? So let's look at these one at a time. One of the first things that I hear people say when it comes to praying or doing something like Peter did that day is, what if I do it wrong? Everybody say wrong. wrong. What if I do it wrong? What if I, what if I say the wrong thing, right? I, I should probably just let the pastor pray or the worship leader pray because I, I don't know, I don't want to screw it up and say something that offends God, right? I love it what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, and when you pray... Do not keep on babbling. First of all, I love that the fact that our Savior uses the word babbling. Do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So it appeared to me that when it comes to prayer, the pressure has been taken off of you because it was never about you being eloquent. In fact, Jesus is saying sometimes simple is better because sometimes, usually simple is more authentic. Okay? If we go on and on and on and on, all of a sudden it becomes about us and we're worried about how we're sounding, when prayer is just being real us before the real God, right? Some of the most, the, the most beautiful prayers I've ever heard is when I'm praying with somebody and they simply say, Jesus, help. God, I don't know what to do. Or, God, thank you just going to pause in the middle of my day and just say thank you. Longer is not better. More churchy sounding words is not necessarily better. Authentic, real is better. The pressure has been taken off. Do you really believe that the same God that saw you in your brokenness, in your sin, in your mess, that saw you, hey, the air conditioning came on, uh, that saw you in your mess is going to be offended <laughs> by an authentic attempt at prayer? <laughs> He saw you at your worst, which means he accepts you just as you are. And so you don't have to posture up in prayer before God, whether you're alone or whether you are with somebody else. You can't do it wrong. In fact, in our core class, one of the things that we teach our leaders is we, to practice praying and do it in a conversational way with God is saying, go for a walk with your spouse or your best friend or somebody. Go for a walk. Go walk around Gray's Lake and talk. And tell them about your day and tell them what you're struggling with and tell them what you're going through. And at a certain point, then just split and each go your own way and keep talking. Now, maybe don't let too many people see you talking to yourself because they might check you in. But just talk out loud to God as if you were talking to somebody that's right beside you because guess what? He is. Right? He is right beside you. Don't make it overly more complicated than it needs to be. So, can you do it wrong? Absolutely not. We can get rid of that one. Number two. Sometimes we think prayer is only for the professionals. It is definitely not for me. 
It's not me. It's for the super spiritual people or, you know, the people that have the gift of prayer. We'll just leave it up to the people up front. I, I, I hear people say all the time, this is one of the funniest things, depending on your church background, I have people come up to me and say this, John, could you, could you put in a good word, I got a surgery coming up, or I got a, a test coming up, or whatever, could you put in a good word for me with the big man upstairs? I look, look I'm like, what am I, the Pope or something, right? Here's the thing, sometimes I look back and say, I will, and I want you to as well. Because every single one of you has the same access to God that I do, which is everything, all the time, anywhere. God hears your prayers. You have the same access to God as the Pope or Billy Graham or Mother Teresa ever did. You are his son and his daughter, and he loves you. And he says, come to me. I am your father. Bring anything to me. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Priests in the Old Testament were the only people that had access to the presence of God. And now he's saying, you're all priests. That may sound pretty scandalous. It's in the Bible. You are a royal priesthood. Acts 2, just a chapter ago, God says, my spirit will be poured out on all people. Everybody say all. I'll say all. All people. And that includes you. All people, right? I love what James says. James chapter 5, verse 17. Elijah, one of the greatest prophets, was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly, the rain would not fall. None fell for three and a half years. Now, farmers are not big fans of James uh, here in this passage of what Elijah did. But I love it that he put in, Elijah was human just as we are, and God responded to his prayers. Not for you, it's for everybody. Let's throw that one aside. Last one, last assumption. Is prayer just for like when really bad things are happening to you? (laughs) Is it only for bad things? I mean, is it only for people that have real issues? First of all, all of us have issues, right? Every single one of us. But no, prayer is for everything. Imagine if the only time that you talk to your parents was when you crashed the car or you're in jail, right? That's a terrible relationship with your parents, right? So why would it be any different with your heavenly father? God doesn't want to just hear from you when things are going bad. He wants to hear from you in the good and the bad and everything in between, right? Pray for it, James chapter 5 says. Are you happy? Pray. Are you suffering hardships? Pray. Sing praises, whatever's going on in your life. Are you stressed out today? Are you struggling with something? Do you have a big test coming up? Is a relationship falling apart? Whatever's going on, God says, come to me and pray. My dream is that it would be so utterly normal for us. As normal it is for you to come to worship every week, it would be the same normalcy for you to come up and receive prayer. That you wouldn't think of coming to worship without having somebody pray for you. Because after all, the greatest gift that we could ever give somebody is prayer. Is Jesus, his life through them. We do not have a prayer team here at Hope Des Moines. We have some people that will be up here in front afterwards with lanyards that would love to pray for you. But we don't have a prayer team because I'm looking at them. It's you. It's all of you. Every single one of you has been called into the game. Sometimes we say crazy things like this as Christians. Somebody tells us something, and we say, oh, man, that sounds really hard. Or, wow, that's amazing. I'll be praying for you about that. See ya, right? Anybody ever done that? How often do you forget? I'm at the front of that row, right? Front of that line. What if Peter 
when he saw the lame man at the temple that day, would have said, oh, I'm sorry, so sorry to hear that you've been lame from birth. You know, I'm headed into church. We're going to sing some songs about how Jesus wants to heal people and bind up the brokenhearted and release people that are prisoners and darkness and all those things. You know what? Brother, I will be praying for you. God bless you in your lameness. Or we could just say the seven words that will change your life. Can I pray for you right now? What if that was normal? And that after every service here at Hope Des Moines, there's just pods of people breaking out praying for each other. Because it's normal. It's like breathing. This is what followers of Jesus do. And yet some of you hear that. You hear that story and you're like, now there's no way I could do that. Because God doesn't really do that anymore. That's a great Bible story, John. But does God really answer prayer from ordinary people? And maybe all of you feel like that. And, there, and yet there are dozens and dozens of stories of God moving and answering prayers and the people sitting around you today. And I want to share a quick one with you through Derek and Jill Lippincott. And so I'm going to invite them to come on up and share their quick hope story today. So welcome Derek and Jill as they come on up. Come on up, you guys. You're not going to miss Jill. She's been serving in the nursery, so that's why she's uh, prepped uh, that way as well. But Derek and Jill have been here for a while, but I'm going to let them kind of introduce themselves and uh, share a little bit about how they came here to Hope. Hello. Um, We had been going to Hope West Des Moines for a while, um, but we live over here, and so started coming to Hope Des Moines back when uh, you were in Hubble. Yeah. Um, and John was our uh, minister at our wedding. And yes. um, so we got to know him and, and his family and hope a little bit better. And uh, have been coming here ever since. Yeah. And it was about 10 degrees warmer than it is today, the day you got married. There was a lot of love and a lot of sweat at your wedding. I remember. That was a, that was a fun day. Yeah. So you guys have been here uh, for a while. And I would imagine that as we've been talking about some of these myths and assumptions about prayer today, um, you've struggled with some of these uh, as well. So tell me a little bit about what has been your experience with prayer, I guess, for most of, most of your guys' life. Yeah, um, all three of these assumptions have yeah. been uh, issues for us. Uh, yeah. w- one of the things we do, we make a point of doing, is having a family dinner as much as we possibly can. We have two little boys, uh, 8 and 13 years old, and we think it's important to all get down, da- uh, get together around the dinner table as much as we can. It doesn't always happen as much as we like because we're busy and kids have sports and stuff. Um, But when we do, uh, we say a prayer. Hmm. And um, it's not always the best prayer. It's it's kind (laughs) of going through the motions. Dear God, uh, bless the food on our plates and help Jill with her presentation tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. You know, it's not, it's not particularly thoughtful. Right. Um, Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yeah, something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and then personally, uh, those three things apply directly <laughs> to me. I feel yeah. stupid. I feel like I don't have the right words. I feel like I need to have a you know, acoustic guitar like, like Jed does <laughs> and noodle with it to, to do it correctly. Um, so... Well, and I think uh, we talk to the kids about prayer a lot, but we're never yeah. praying with them. Let me pray with you about that. It's, hey, right. you should pray on that, you know, yeah. so. <laughs> right. So needless to say, I'm guessing there's a few people here today that probably resonate with that, that they, we have these assumptions about prayer, and yet sometimes, just like the man at the temple, God puts these situations in our path which kind of shake us up a little bit. So you've had a pretty crazy 
last year that yeah. God threw your way. So tell us a little bit yeah. about that. We um, like to say we, we play hard, and there's some consequences to that. We've had a rash of weird um, injuries, so concussion, ankle dislocation. Derek has a fish hook in his finger still um, from a fishing trip. Uh, I had a couple procedures uh, and a cancer scare at one point, yeah. and our kids have been in and out of doctor's office for various illnesses that you have when you have kids. So we um, are in the doctor's office quite a bit. Yeah. It's been a crazy year. Yeah. So needless to say, that brings on some financial stress as well, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, um, regardless of what you think about the, the health insurance industry and the politicization of it right now... Uh, We've been known to file a claim or two, <laughs> and um, we've always had that as a resource, and it's it's worked nicely for us until yeah. it didn't. Yeah. Um, I had a little procedure um, this January, and um, just figured it would be no big deal until the bill came in the mail that said that we um, were not insured and that we were on the hook for a lot of money. Um, and we learned that we didn't have insurance and we weren't sure yeah. if we would then be able to go back and get it um, due to some wires being crossed in the um, enrollment period. Uh, it was a super terrifying experience. Yeah. Um, we, I, it was just like we, we locked up and we A, had, to, had this, this um, bill to pay, but B, we like to be active people, and all the things that we um, like to do all of a sudden felt really dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, it was that really nice weekend in February when it was like 60 degrees outside. Jill was going to get a long bike ride in. I was going to go help my father-in-law um, cut wood, which probably isn't the <laughs> safest thing to do with insurance, yeah. let alone without <laughs> it, especially with her dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we just you're pretty felt, vulner vul yeah, you're vulnerable. super super yeah. vulnerable yeah. Um, our first instinct at that point was to just cancel all our plans stay at home with you know the lights off and our kids wrapped in bubble wrap in a padded <laughs> room and not do anything yeah um, we we tried to control the situation we tried to um, find our own way to get health insurance, sell yeah. stuff on Craigslist to pay for these medical expenses and, yeah. and things like that. Um, ultimately, uh, we decided that we couldn't control this. It was out of our control. So yeah. we decided we needed to let God help us with that. And so we prayed. Yeah. And yeah, we, I'm about as type A as they get, so I was like, I will fix this, it will, we will make it right, and there was yeah. just no way out of it, and there was yeah. just looming expense and just uh, scariness. Um, so uh, we got around the dinner table with the kids, yeah. um, we all held hands, and uh, so they could tell this was different, that something was going on, um, yeah. and we just prayed a little deeper. I don't yeah. know that it sounded any better, yeah. but it was uh, more authentic, more sincere. Yeah. We, we prayed for just our help our way through, whatever that looked like. Yeah. We were, we, we were open to whatever that, that was. At that point, you didn't know, is God going to answer this prayer or not in the way that we expect? And it sounds like for you guys and for a lot of us, when, when life throws us a curveball, it seems like our human default is to freak out. Like that's what the world says. If something goes wrong, God has left you. He's not blessing you, so you should just stress out, right? And often prayer is the last 
ditch resort, you know, the last effort instead of the first thing. And so God's teaching you that, obviously. And so tell us kind of what God did in that and, and what he did in you through prayer. Yeah. Well, ultimately, we did get the health insurance restored. It was on the other end. And so they said, no problem. We'll yeah. cover this bill. So it was great. Yeah. Um, but that really wasn't the point. Um, yeah. and in fact, we had to go into a whole weekend not having answers. And we prayed on like a Saturday night. We just sat yeah. down and said, okay, this is, we've, we right. are turning this over. Um, but Sunday night or Sunday morning, I woke up and, and asked Derek, do you feel different? Um, because it just felt different. I, yeah. We were just at, more at peace. Yeah. And I had an experience that, um, that relief of that burden in that way before. Yeah. I remember when Derek first emailed me uh, this story to tell me about what God had did. He said, even if our circumstances wouldn't have changed, and you know, God doesn't fix everything, doesn't always in the way we want. You said prayer changed us. How, how did prayer change? Like, what, what's different now that that situation happened? Um, you know, we, we believe that, that God showed up for us. Um, our our burden was lifted and we felt like we didn't need to control the situation anymore. And that was because he could do that for us. And so, uh, the experience was just a, a a tremendous weight lifted off our shoulders that we could just go be ourselves and go do what our family loves to do. And, um, we've learned since then that that's not just applicable when you get a bill in the mail, but you know, when, Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. Whatever's going on. Go ahead. And yeah. I think our kids saw that too. I mean, we yeah. went on the bike ride. Derek went and cut down wood. Um, <laughs> Jude, Jude played football. Kind yeah. of broken an arm, and we were yeah. like, you know, we're gonna. We felt okay. Um, yeah. And our kids, I think, understood a little bit more about prayer than just the thank yeah. you for our food, thank you for our roof. You know, um, so yeah. it changed them. It brought us closer together too. And, and I want to thank you guys for your courage and your honesty to come up, not everybody would be willing to do that, to come up and, and be honest about this today, that you don't have it all figured out and you're not professionals, and I hope that people can resonate with that, but thank you for bringing your kids along into it. Like you said, it's so easy to say, kids, you should pray, or you can say, why don't you join mom and dad in what we're already doing? And so that's a great encouragement and lesson to us as parents, as grandparents, as friends, to invite other people into that and to say, we don't have it all figured out, but come along with us. So thank you for sharing your story. Can you thank Derek and Jill with us today? Absolutely. You bet. Thank you, guys. The greatest gift that we could ever give anyone is prayer, is the gift of Jesus. This past week, and here this morning, this past week, this past Friday, was our daughter, uh, Everly's, we call her Evie, it was her second birthday. And um, (laughs) we had a sci-fry party because her mother has brainwashed her to like the cyclones and she really likes french fries so parent health experts don't don't be haters here um don't judge she likes french fries so we had a french fry bar and uh, she loved it and so um the night before thursday night she has her her molars coming in her baby molars coming in she's teething a little bit so she woke up crying and screaming in the middle of the night and uh so I got up, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I go in her room, and I hold her and sit in the, in the rocking chair. And As I sat there, I realized this is the last time that I'm going to hold her when she's one. Ever. Um, and I started thinking about the next day and the big party we had planned for her and the, the pink tricycle and all the Minnie Mouse 
stuff and the dollhouse and the Elmo guitar and all the things where all these gifts that we, that we just went all out to give her. I started thinking about all that. And um, <laughs> all these things I know she's going to love. And it was like sometimes God just kind of whispers to you in that moment. And, and I felt like God say, John, what's, what's your desire for her? Like, what's your heart for her as she grows up? And it wasn't, I wasn't necessarily like praying about that. I was half awake and not thinking about prayer, but I just started to like go through my head of all the things that I desire for her as we baptize babies and, and claim God's promises for them. I said, my heart for her is that as she grows up, that she would be beautiful not only on the outside, but on the inside, that she would have a, a strong and tender and compassionate heart as a woman of God. I pray that, <laughs> I pray that she would never lose her, her spunk and her sass and her joy her, and her childlike joy that she has. I pray that when those darn boys come along that they wouldn't break her heart too bad. I pray that she would know that who she is is not dependent on what men think of her. And I just started to say all these things and speak these things over her. And um, I got done and I felt God say, John, that was a great prayer. And I thought to myself, well, I wasn't really praying. <laughs> it was like God said, and maybe that's the point. That you were just being real and honest and it wasn't about that. And then I realized what I just did, asking God for those things for her, was the greatest gift that I gave her on her second birthday more than any gift that I will ever give her for the next 18 years while she's under our roof. Our prayers for her are the best thing that we can do for her as her parents because the best gift we can give our kids is Jesus. The greatest gift you can give your kids, your grandkids, no matter what age they are, no matter what age you are, you never stop praying. The greatest gift you can give your spouse, the most loving thing you can do for your spouse is give them the gift of Jesus, is prayer. The greatest gift you can give your friend is prayer. The greatest gift you can give your small group and those that you see as a part of the body of Christ every week here at church is prayer. So why would you even think of get up and getting up and leaving? <laughs> it's the greatest gift that we could give each other. So don't hold back. And as a loving father for my daughter, I, like, I can't think of not wanting the very best for her. And God says, I want the very best for you as your heavenly father. I want you to receive everything I have for you. Don't miss it, what I want to offer to you through the power of prayer through someone else. So we're not just going to talk about it this morning. There's a couple things I want to let you know. One, um, this is back a couple slides, guys, but we have a prayer training that's coming up in a few weeks on Wednesday the 28th. And this is for anybody that wants to grow in their ability to pray for each other out loud as, as prayer partners. We encourage you to check that out and put that on your calendar. And secondly, we're going to do that today. And so in a second, when I have you stand up, I'm just going to pray for us. I'm just going to leave some space for God to speak because you need to hear from him a lot more than you need to hear from me. And we're just going to pray. And then when I'm done praying, I want to encourage you to do one of two things. We're going to have some prayer partners up here at front, and I would encourage you to come on up and be prayed for. Or to grab somebody on your way out and say, can I pray for you? If you're talking to somebody about their week, pull them aside and say, let's pray about that. Just all over the worship center here, in the lobby, wherever, in the parking lot. If you don't want to do that, that's totally fine. There's no pressure. But my challenge to you would be is to find that person that you gave a high five to at the beginning of the service. 
pull them aside, introduce yourself, and look them in the eyes and say, I am so glad that you were here today. I'm so glad that you were here today. Make sure that you connect with somebody on your way out. Let's stand together and pray. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to move in this place right now. God, that you would speak to us and tell us exactly what we need to hear. God, none of us are experts at this. None of us are professionals. <laughs> We're just your kids. We're your sons and daughters, just like little Miles this morning, God, that we haven't done anything to be good enough, but you choose us and you extend your love to us just as we are this morning as not as we should be. And so, God, we ask that you would increase our boldness in prayer, that it would be absolutely normal for us. It would not be a one day a week or simply a mealtime thing, but it would be our breath, the way that we function, the way that we live. And God, I pray for all of us this morning that you would divinely interrupt our week this week, <laughs> that you would intentionally put us in situations where we need you and bring people into our path that need your love that we would be able to extend that as vessels of your love to them, whatever's going on in their life. So mess with us a little bit this week. God, interrupt our schedule, interrupt our agenda, because we want that to be your agenda. So God, speak to us right now. Remind us of who we are, that we are loved. And God, I pray that you would fill us up with that love this week, that same Holy Spirit that Peter and John had that day that lives in us now, that you would fill us up to overflowing so that we could reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said together, amen. amen.